0: We're in, a, we're in a series called The Book, and uh, it has to do, of course, with the Bible. I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work the word of god so important now let me just let's just find out what do you think is the third most read book in the world the third the third most read book in the world what do you think is the third most read book in the world what would what, you say possibly the word the dictionary, the, the dictionary. Oh, that's a good thought No, here it is. The third most read book in the world is Harry Potter. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? 400 million people have read Harry Potter. Now, given that the United States of America, every single man, woman, and child, if you added up the entire population you would discover that in order for us to get the 400 million reads, you would have had to have every single individual, man, woman, baby, child in America would have had to read it, plus another 100 million people on top of that, as there is 300 million roughly people in America. 400 million people have read Harry Potter in, the, in this world. Now, what do you think the second most read book in the Bible or, the, or book in the world is? Not the Bible. It's not the Bible, by the way. You'll never get this one, so I'm just going to tell you what it is. It is quotations from the works of Mao to say tongue. Yeah, the second most read book in the world is quotations from the works of Mao. In fact, and now for those, does anyone, how many here do not know who Mao is? Anybody? Mao, Mao is the uh, guy who brought, really brought communism to China. He was the, the Chinese leader that brought China into the communist world. And, uh, oh, I think there's somewhere between 40 and 70 million people that are believed to have been extinguished under his leadership as the communist leader of China during his reign. He died in 1976. Uh, but uh, Mao, uh, his, his works, quotations from his works, that book is the second most read book in the entire world with 800 million people having read his book. Double that of uh, actually it was 820 million, so more than double Harry Potter. Uh, so you think about it, eight, that's 820 million people is almost triple the size of the United States. Well, the United States is is about 300 and I think about 312, 312 million, 700 some thousand people. But but it's really significantly almost three times the amount of the population of our nation have read uh, this quotations from the works of Mao. I'm sure that would be a thrilling read. The number one book, as it should be, the number one read book in the world is the Bible. 3.9 billion people have read the Bible. Now you think the difference between 800 million which is an incredible number, nearly triple the size of America, has read Mao, but you have 3.9 billion people who have read the Bible. That's over half of the world's population have read the Bible. That's a pretty significant number. And, And it reminds me of this very important. What we're talking about today is the value of the word the book is really, really important. The Bible is super important, and we want to talk about its value. It has huge, huge value to us. How many remember last week's uh, uh, memory verse? How many got that down? Are you ready? Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Ready? Let's go. Every. put their trust in him absolutely every word of god is proven true he is a shield to those who put their trust in him that's absolutely very and so keep on that keep going with it. you did pretty good how about here's this week's psalm 119 11, and many of you probably at some point have already memorized this in your your memorizing psalm 119 verse 11 your word Absolutely. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word i have hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you psalm 119 verse 11 write that down put it somewhere memorize that Uh, it's extremely important i'll i'll be driving along in the in my car uh quoting scriptures that i've thought through and memorized over the years and and (coughs) excuse me i try to (coughs) excuse me i try to uh call to mind ones that I've been memorized over the years so that you don't ever lose touch with those. But I would definitely memorize this one. It's a great reminder. Why do I keep the Word of God in here? Why do I spend time memorizing it? Because when I'm faced with temptation, I know that the Word of God is a powerful deterrent to my succumbing to the temptations. And so Psalm 119 verse 11, commit that one to memory this week. Now the question today is why is the book so valuable? The Bible. Why is it so valuable? Insight number 1, it feeds us. The reason it's so valuable first off is is that it feeds us. How often do you eat every day? So let's say how many how many of you only eat once a day? Raise your hand if you only eat once a day. <coughs> <coughs> Forgive me. <coughs> <laughs> Try not to little uh, over yet, <clears throat> but I feel good. Okay, how many eat uh, twice a day? How many eat? Uh, that's how many times you eat. Oh, a couple of you. How many of you eat three times a day? Mm-hmm. How many of you just graze all day long? Just yeah, yeah. That's probably like many of us. I think. <clears throat> I googled the question that said, how many calories does the average American consume in a day? And the, and the average amount of calories that the average American consumes is 3,800 calories per day. Now I don't know the, how many we're supposed to be able to consume based because, and the reason I decided not to spend a lot of time researching that is because it's different for men than it is women. And given the different proportional sizes of us, some guys are like six six, and some guys are like five five, uh, and so on. The different and age and everything else comes into play in terms of what uh, an, an average appropriate amount of calories would be but this I know 3,800 is more than probably most of us need so therefore based upon 3,800 calories of food on the average per day the good news is probably most of us are not in danger of starving to death we're probably going to be all okay now what we all know is that in order to live we have to eat If we don't eat, we don't live, we starve to death. Now what is true about us physically is also true about us spiritually. God made us to be spirit, soul, and body. We tend to focus so much on body, we forget spirit and soul. And if we are not feeding our spirit and soul, our spirit and our soul can shrivel up and become weak, and anemic and unhealthy and die certainly as much as our physical body can. We must feed our spirit and our soul. And it is God's word that God uses to feed us. After Jesus was baptized, we talked a little bit about this last week in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. The Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness. And when he goes into the wilderness, he begins to fast and pray for 40 days does not eat at all for 40 days and uh, at the end of the 40 days the bible simply says he was hungry and uh, so the enemy satan knowing how to find vulnerabilities in all of our lives what satan did is he shows up and he begins to tempt jesus and if you remember every time that satan tried to tempt jesus jesus thwarted the temptation by saying it is written and then quoting the word of God because the word of God shields us defends us against the enemy so we need the word of God in us <clears throat> now having said that the very first temptation is this Satan comes and he says "You know, Jesus if you really are the son of God why don't you just prove it by turning these stones into bread? After all, you're hungry, so what's, you know, you're the son of God. You can do anything. You can, you've, you're, you're, you've got creative power in you. Turn these stones into bread. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus responds by saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he's saying to him, look, all you're thinking about is feeding the flesh. That's only one part of how God made you. You are, you are spirit, soul, and body. And if all you're worried about is only feeding your flesh, then you are dying because we're not meant to just feed our flesh only, but we've got to feed our spirit and our soul as well. So Jesus said very clearly, look, you know, Satan, you, you're, you're, you're messed up. You don't get it. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you believe what Jesus said? <clears throat> and if we believe what Jesus said, then obviously we know that feeding our soul and our spirit must be really important. Job believed what God would say there. Here's what Job said in Job 23, verse 12. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have treasured, I have treasured his words. I treasure what God has to say more than my necessary food. Meaning, the things that, that I hear from God have greater value to me than even the food that sustains my flesh. If getting 3,800 calories is important to sustaining life in the flesh, certainly we have to not forget how important it is that we are feeding our, our soul and our spirit. The result of our being underfed by His Word, and by the way, it used to be, you don't hear it quite so much anymore, it used to be a common thing within churches, uh, mainly back in, I'd say, the 1970s more than anything, and, and then even into the 1980s, where people would complain and say, well, I'm just not getting fed in that church. I'm just not getting fed. Well, again, the problem is is we need to learn to feed ourselves. We grow up, we mature, we feed ourselves. It doesn't mean that that, that we don't and shouldn't get fed by... Sunday school teachers and adult teachers and preachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets. But it certainly does mean that we have to take on the primary responsibility for feeding my soul and my spirit. I don't just eat once a week, you know, a couple tacos on Sunday afternoon and now I'm good for the week. No, every single day, we talk about three times a day or more, we feed our flesh. We have to eat every day. Same thing with our soul and spirit. And the result of our being underfed is, is seen in how we are overcome so easily by the pressures of this life. And there's some real pressures. Tragedy strikes and we are emotionally broke down and we hide ourselves away and we don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to have any relationship with anybody. Just leave me alone because I'm so broken down by what has occurred we easily get there someone uh, says something that is uh, obviously on the dark side of stupid and we are quickly offended and we hold that offense and we nurture that offense and we love it and we embrace it and we just we feed it and we feed it and we feed that offense And then we spend more time feeding that offense than we do finding the ways to overcome it and have victory in our life. And then we wonder why we're so beat down. See, we're underfeeding our soul and our spirit. Men, many of us are well over 200 pounds in the flesh, but we are under 100 pounds in the spirit. Ladies, Pray for us, man, would you? (laughs) I wasn't born yesterday. You think I was. I wasn't. I really wasn't. I wasn't born yesterday. (laughs) We need to make sure that we are feeding our soul and our spirit. Next thing is, why is the Word of God so valuable to us? It not only feeds us, but it grows us. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You've got to desire it because it it affects your growth. This is a great illustration that Paul gives. It's a marvelous illustration because, you know, you think about what does a newborn baby do? Well, a newborn baby essentially eats, sleeps, and, and poops. Eats, sleeps, and poops. And it's just a constant cycle for a newborn babe. And when that newborn baby uh, starts craving milk, that newborn baby starts crying because it wants some more milk. It starts crying out. The question is, how often does a newborn baby crave some milk? We've all in this room been so long since we've been... couple probably a couple of years. couple of a uh, couple of years couple of hours anyway every couple of hours maybe some it's 3 maybe it's 4 but every couple of hours a newborn baby starts craving milk and that's why that's why we like watching newborn parents and we like to or new parents of newborns because we like to say did you get any sleep last night i did i got a lot of sleep last night it was wonderful you know how'd you do and and they they're awake every couple of hours they can't get a, get sleep more than that because the newborn baby starts craving milk his little body or her little body is wanting to grow. And because it wants to grow, it's demanding a lot of food to kind of kickstart its growth and get it going. So every couple of hours, it starts craving food. and, And mama and daddy have to get up in the middle of the night and all day long, every couple hours, and feed this little guy because its body wants to grow. And he cannot grow if he doesn't get that milk that it craves. The connection that Paul the Apostle gives to us there is really a great illustration because he's saying in the same way that a newborn babe is constantly craving milk so its body can grow, it's the same fashion for us, that our spirit and our soul literally begins to crave food so that we can grow. You know what happens with some people when they start starving, there's a place where where when you first go on a fast, you're pretty hungry for a while. I did a forty day fast one time in my life and and one thing I discovered about it was the that when uh the the first the first period of time was really rough it was really rough. I had headaches, I had a rotten taste in my mouth I had a rotten attitude in my heart I was hard i thought how can a guy pray adequately when he's so miserable in his attitude because i'm hungry you know and you, you, you just got to war through all of that and then um, pretty soon you get to a place where it doesn't bother you anymore and by the time i got after i'd fasted and it was this was in oregon when i was pastoring in oregon after i after i fasted for 40 days i actually had to start talking myself into eating There was a place where where suddenly I didn't notice that I was starving to death at that point and didn't really pay much attention to it. I could have continued on not eating, but the problem was that would not have been healthy for me. We do that to our spirit man. We do it to our soul. We go so long without feeding it that pretty soon we don't even realize that our spiritual man inside, our heart, our spirit, our soul is beginning to starve to death. So we have to constantly be sure that we're feeding it so that we can grow. And if we aren't feeding our soul and spirit, we're not going to grow. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says this. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified what's happening here is paul is getting ready to leave the ephesians the ephesian church the ephesian elders the leaders of the ephesian church he's talking to them and he's he's saying look i'm going to be gone and i'm not going to see you again this is it uh this is the last time i'm going to see you and 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 i want i want you to know something that even though i'm not going to be with you ever again you have the word of god you have the word of god and, and you've got to stick with the Word of God because as long as you have the Word of God, you're going to be a lot more sensitive to His Spirit who is in attendance in your life. If you have the Word of God, He will feed you with it. He'll grow you with it. You will be built up. So you've got the Word of God. I commend to you the Word of God. And so he reminds them how important it is that even though Paul won't be there to speak to them anymore, if they have the Word of God then they're going to be okay. They'll continue to grow. They'll continue to be built up. So when you think about it, is it valuable to us? Yeah, it's absolutely valuable to us. The Word of God feeds us, and it helps us to grow. So we must learn it, we must love it, we must live it. We must learn it, we must love it, we must live it. Because the Word of God is extremely valuable to us. Insight number three, it corrects us. Are any of you here ever wrong about anything? Hmm? How many here would raise your hand and say, yeah, yeah, I've been wrong about some things before in my life? Now, for all of you that didn't raise your hand, I totally understand. In fact, Arlene occasionally has said to me throughout our marriage, oh, you never get anything wrong. Now, I can tell by the way that she says that, that she does not really believe that. And the reality of it is, is she is correct. I actually do get things wrong. The Bible says that there is none righteous or there are none who always are right in all things we we get things wrong at times we are unrighteous at times Uh, all have sinned and come short all of us according to the word of God so yeah absolutely we all do things wrong get things wrong at times there's no question about how do I know what is wrong and what is right and how do I know how to correct it 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 in the New Living Translation says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to help uh, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now notice what it says. All Scripture. What is all Scripture? Some people have this idea that Scripture that is that you only got to pay attention to is the New Testament. But all Scripture is all Scripture. It is all sixty-six books of the Bible. It is Old and New Testament alike. In fact, in the New Testament, it tells us that the Old Testament still holds huge value, just because we learn from the examples of the Old Testament was written for our example, the Bible says, Paul says to the Corinthians. And so all Scripture has huge value to us. And the first thing it tells us about it so that we know how valuable it is, is it says all Scripture is inspired by God. It's all inspired by God. Some people say, well, no, men wrote it. Listen, all Scripture is inspired by God. That means That it is that the entire 66 books, all of the Bible exists at his will and at his command. That it would not exist, it wouldn't be compiled the way it is for you and I to hold and to open and to read unless God had determined it had great value to us. Which is really weird when you're reading through like the Book of Numbers and you're just reading name after name after name, and you think, "What in the world?" Or you're reading through Leviticus and it says, "Well, uh, this sacrifice looks like this," and you got to get a couple of turtle doves here, and you got to get a cow over here, and you got to, and you're thinking. What does all that mean and how does it apply? You know, God understood that there were things there that were very valuable to us. All scripture exists because God determined it was to your benefit to have what He wanted you to know in your hand, that you could read it. It's the purpose of helping us know what is wrong and what is right and how to correct the things that are wrong. So, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now I learned it that way. The newer translation says, For the word of God is living and powerful. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Now when you read that and it says that that the word of God is a discerner of your thoughts, You know what that means? He knows what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. So you think I just won't say it, and God won't know it. You know, He won't know what I'm really. You know, no, He knows what you're thinking. He that's why Jesus could say, "Listen, you guys say that if a guy has been caught in adultery and he should be stoned to death, he's committed sin. And I'm telling you that if he thinks it in his mind, he's already committed it. God knows it." He knows what our thoughts are. And in the word "intent," one says that the, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. That word "intent" is sometimes uh, understandably and rightfully translated attitudes. So he is a discerner of the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Guess what? Attitude matters. It matters. And he can discern what your attitude is. God matters, people matter, faith matters, attitude matters. All four of those things. And the Bible's very clear about it. God knows our attitudes. We can try to fool Him, but He knows it. So the Word of God is there to correct us. There have been uh, more times than I'd like to, to remember in which I was reading the Word of God and God corrected and challenged an attitude I have. And then I find myself saying, oh, man, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I lay it before God because the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, starts challenging my attitudes because God wants to help me and correct me. Insight number four. The Word of God, it equips us. Why does it have great value to us? Because it equips us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We'll look at it again. Here's what it says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God equips us for every work that I've been assigned to, every work, every job that you've been assigned to, that God has given you, God wants to equip you so you can really do it well. Well, what are some of the things that God has assigned me to? Well, I'm the husband of Arlene. So that's one of my my assignments. I'm I'm the I'm the father of Isaac and Jacob and Leah. There's an assignment. I'm a grandfather to my grandkids. I'm a pastor to the church here. I am a, I'm a friend to a number of people. Uh, I do have friends in my life. Uh, I, I have some. Uh, I'm a neighbor uh, live in my neighborhood. There's there's places in which I have assignments from God. And the Bible equips me to do a good job in those things. Do I need to get better at them? Oh, absolutely. You know, let's just, let's just say there's a reason why God hasn't taken me home yet. He's not finished with me yet, and, and he's not finished with you yet either. We're still in school here with God. So, so I, could, I can be equipped through God's Word. I can certainly be a better husband and father and son. I can uh, learn to be more sacrificial. I can learn to to be filled with, with mercy and grace and love. And, and there are times in which uh, under certain situations I discover that I'm lacking in some of those things. And so then, so then I have to relearn those so I can be a better husband. The, the Bible tells me that I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church. The Bible tells me that I am not supposed to bring my children to wrath. And so, so the Bible helps me and equips me to be a better husband and a better father uh, in my living. I can be a better worker. I, I, it'll equip me to be a better worker. The Bible is very clear about the how I live a life of integrity uh, as, a, as a person who's working for other people and that I make sure that I give the most productive effort I can uh, to those who give me an opportunity to work on their behalf. I can be a better worker. I can become a better friend to people, knowing that I, sh- I could become uh, more forgiving and less critical, knowing that the Bible says that I should be uh, loving to people uh, rather than just being angry all the time. I can be a better steward of the resources that God gives me. I can be more patient and filled with grace and, and at the same time honest in my communication with people, speaking the truth in love. I can, know, I can know that I can speak with wisdom when I encounter certain situations because the Bible tells me that if, it, if I lack wisdom, I can ask of him and he gives it liberally. I know, these, I know that. So I know when I look at the Word of God, it equips me to be better at whatever it is God's assigned me to. In the same fashion, he will help you. How important is your soul? How important is it? Well, Jesus said, what have you gained if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? What have you gained? You, you haven't. In fact, he's pretty clear. You, you've lost huge if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. The whole world is is, is built in such a way to keep feeding my flesh. But there's very little about the world that has been constructed by the world to feed my spirit and soul. I have to do that. And God gave me and gave to you His Word, the only manuscript in the entire world, that is inspired by God in terms of it being God's word to us. It's, it's the only one. And God gave it to us in order that we would find great value in it. it. It feeds us. It grows us. It corrects us. It equips us. It's very valuable. So I want to encourage you, you know, to make time for it every day. Get that journal out. It's tough, I know it. We have to keep encouraging one another because it gets it gets hard at times. Get that journal out and use it and read it. Read that word and write down some of the things you you've been thinking, some of the things you hear God speaking to you. Because it is the word of God who helps us. It defends us. It's powerful. It defends us. It saves us. But it's also of great value to us. So the word of God, what will we do this week? I want to encourage you. If last week you kind of, the week kind of got past you and you didn't get a chance to even memorize or get, you thought, oh, I was going to do that and I forgot about that. Commit yourself again today. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Commit it to memory because his word is so, so valuable to you. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? There are a lot of ways in which we try to incorporate the Word of God, of course, in our life through memorization, uh, converge groups. We're still trying to gain traction in that. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of one, let us know, because we'd like to get you involved in one. The reason is is because we need each other, and we need the Word of God. The, we absolutely need And frankly, I am more convinced as each year goes by how much closer we really are getting to the coming of the Lord. We're watching this world spiral out of control. We're watching this world becoming more and more uh, uh, aggressively in opposition to anything about not just any God, but against the God that you and I know and love, the only wise God, our Savior, as the book of Jude tells us. Uh, only one and so uh, we need his word we need it because it's getting it's getting harder out there then temptations will get more and it will get more difficult but we need his word and we need his holy spirit to empower us to activate that word in us so that we can discover its value he saves us he defends us he feeds us with it. He, he certainly corrects us. He, he, uh, uh, all of the things that you discover are helpful. Don't forsake His Word. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just want to again, Lord, recommit us to your Word. Lord that we is it's 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 not an easy discipline in in the world we live in. All the technology and all the things that kind of speed life up are supposed to make life easier and smoother have only Lord added more burden to our lives. So that now Lord we we not only have a television to look at but we got Facebook we have to check on and and we've got our cell phones handy right with us all the time. So Lord it's not just at home when we get a phone call, but anywhere, any place, anytime we get phone calls. Lord, there's so many things that keep us, Lord, from the solitude of just being alone with you and hearing you above everything else. How desperately our soul and our spirit need to hear from you. Help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Help us, Lord, to carve out a place and a time that we take time to learn your word, to grow in it, and to hear from you, so that, Lord, we can live this life as fruitful as you determined we should and could, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah for Jesus. Good to see you all. Don't forget, next week, Psalm 119.11. I'll ask you again, see how you did. Now, don't come to church because you don't memorize it. Uh, Come anyway. Nobody will notice that you didn't say it out loud. Just give it a shot, and I think you'll be blessed. Would you stand? Give someone near you a good squeeze. We love you all.